0: So back to the story. 1987. After speaking with the person that um, helped conceive me, as far as I know, this person admitted that they did. um, I asked why. What? 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 Why would you do that to someone? Why would you rape them? Or that was the story I was given. So why don't you give me your side of the story? And so he gave me his side of the story and said that, you know, he didn't. He didn't. uh, He regretted how it happened. They were drinking and, they were, you know, partying and those things happened. He didn't think he could have kids and all these bullshit lies or bullshit stories was never really sure if he was telling the truth didn't care. Um, the only thing that really bothered me was the fact that he had remarried or had married someone during this time period and had a child who he said was my half-sister. Um, and without her birth, which he didn't believe about her, he had he had um, DNA testing because he wasn't sure that she was his child either, even though he was married to her mother. Anyway, he... So after finding out that that was indeed his child, he thought, well, maybe I should look up the person, which would be me, um, that perhaps I made with someone, um, a long time ago. Um, maybe he found Jesus. I don't know, whatever, whatever. I didn't ask him. I didn't really fucking care after that. You know, he just told me why, what, what his excuse was, which was. Oh, maybe I can make children. So, I don't know if he had been watching me the whole time and just didn't want to pay child support or was just that big of a coward and finally came to terms with it. Um, either way. So, I was more interested, concerned, um, curious about a sister that I never got to know. I'd never had a sister. I had brothers and, um, and I met her and, um, and that was, uh, another story all on its own, and I'll talk about that later, but, um, her mother had recently passed in a car wreck with, with her in it, and so I felt really bad for her, um, she had no part in my birth or my making, my conception, so I just, you know, told him that I had a life and didn't really need him in it, and, um, I'm glad I guess I met him so I could see what I, I always wondered what who I really looked like and I guess I favored him a little bit you know short which could be anyone a little bit of blondish hair which could be my mom light eyes um, I really didn't want any of his chromosomes to be honest with you with the fact that he could do something like that to someone and then call them a an, a liar without even checking into it, or just man up and admit that you did it. Um, I didn't want that chromosome, so that part of my life was not something I was proud of, so, anyway, um, I met him not too long after that. He died from a brain tumor. I never kept in touch with him, but I was told that he was that he died, um, from a glioblastoma. He was only 53 or 56, something like that, young, um, which left his daughter, my half sister, without parents, um, which is devastating for her, um, she has her own, she will have her own chapter in my, um, discussion later. So, anyway, I ended that found out who he was. He died, moved on with my life. Um, and that was that. So by listening, so by listening to my, um, stories, um, you may think that um, the title Bastards refers to, or Bastard refers to me, but it's, just, it's more than just that. There's several different um, characters that fit that bill in this particular, or in my podcast. Um, my life has had many ups and downs and mysteries and and happiness along the way. Um, um, I'm successful. I have two beautiful daughters that came from a very bad marriage at a very young age. Um, I was raised by a very good man um, that adopted me. So I have a lot of positive things. So the podcast includes more details than what um, you're going to get from just the title. Um, so I, I hope that, you know, I tell my story correctly and that you understand it. It's, it's more of a healing um, awareness for people that, you know, you can be successful. You can look a certain way and still be a product of a very, very bad situation or your entire life can be bad but at some point at some point once you recognize some of the things that you go through then you can heal and i think i might be at that point in my life which you know 50 that that just that number <laughs> that number alone the age of 50 makes you stop and think You know, why why am I not telling things? Why am I not speaking up and trying to help others with some tragedies that have gone gone on in my life and some successes? And I'm still here. I'm still making the best of the situation, I guess you could say. Um, I strive to be happy every single day, even though I want to cry most of the time. Um, I get out of bed every morning even though I want to sleep sometimes um, and sometimes I do I stay in bed and try to reflect and re-energize um, I don't always feel well so I don't know if that has anything to do with my my depression from childhood or just maybe there's something else going on I'll, I'll not know that I don't know I, I, I'm not one to just go to the doctor for aches and pains. So, I'm certainly not going to go because my mind is full of junk. So, we could probably change the name to Get Your Junk Out. So, here's some junk. Some really disgusting junk that I started um, having flashbacks on. Um, you know, not too long ago, um, they come and go, this one just won't go away. So I decided to confront it, think about it, go over it in my mind. Um, it, it was pretty devastating and hard to hear in my mind and visualize. And so this is, I wrote it down, read it. And then contemplating, contemplated what I was going to do with this information that was coming, that wouldn't go away. I thought, well, it's not just a random thought because it's reoccurring. It's getting more detailed. I can remember smells and, and what curtains were hanging and, and things like that. So I, I, I'll i just tell you, I'll, I call it the Maxine memory. It's not a very good one. Um, it's pretty sad and disgusting. So... If you have a weak stomach or anything bothers you about child abuse, then I suggest that you don't listen to this particular part of my story. Um, So here it goes, the Maxine memory. I was around five years old. I was being, um, my mom was working or she was somewhere, not around um, at that time. And her sister, Her baby sister, she has six, um, was babysitting me. Maxime was around at least 14. Um, I remember her getting her driving permit or being at the age to get that during this time period that I remember um, when there was no one, but just she and I around, or there might've been someone else somewhere in the house. And this was an old house um you know it only had 3 bedrooms from what i recall um it's the house where my mom grew up in um old house so, so the rooms were small um my mom grew up poor this was a just a a poverty house if you will um i remember Maxine she had long wavy brownish red hair um, I used to think, you know, how pretty she was. That, And later on in life, I thought, wow, she looked like Drew Barrymore. Um, but I never liked her. Never wanted to be around her. I didn't care, you know, what was going on in her life. Um, it was just, I, I just didn't care for her. And I didn't really understand it until much later. Why? Or what would make me so just bitter that she would even exist. So, when it came, when that thought came to me, I, I did give it a lot of thought because of it. So, I'll just get right to it. Maxine was babysitting me. She, um, remember, she's around 14 or older, and I'm five, because, because I was not in school, and I started school at five. Um, she would, um, shut her bedroom door and, um, tell me that, um, I needed, she, she needed a husband and we were going to play that I was her husband and husband to her, um, this is her definition or her explanation of a husband meant that I, that she would undress completely and, that I would um, kiss her, um, fondle her, put um, you know put my hands on her boobs, um, which were rather large and saggy, from what I recall, or, or bigger than I, I've never you know at that time they were big. Um, she had, she was a little chunky, not fat, just you know thick. Um, she, she had an okay body from you know just a you know, that's, I don't even wanna say that because she's so disgusting to me now, but um, she told me that husbands would put their faces in, in down in their um, wife's um, privates or their no-nos or that's what I would call them. Um, and she had a big, big one and it was hairy and she would put push my face into her hairy crotch. Um, and just move it around. She told me husbands did that. That's what that's what they did to their wives. They would put their wives. Wives would let their husband put their face, their husband's face, into their their crotch and move it around. Um, so she did that to me. Held my head in her crotch. Um, told me to stick my tongue out so it would kiss it. And it seemed I'm sure it was not days, because it seemed like hours. Um, She would hold my head there and and make moaning and groaning and talk and and say things that were, I didn't know what they meant. Um, And she would twitch. And now that I'm a grown woman, I know that she was having an orgasm, um, which makes me, the first time I remembered it, I wanted to go vomit. Um, then she would tell me to never say anything to anyone. It was our secret and that if I did, I couldn't stay there anymore. And I knew that if I couldn't stay there, I, my mom would suffer from that. So I kept it a secret. Um, I didn't tell anyone. If I did, I don't remember telling anyone. And if I did, no one did anything about it. Um, and if I tried to come in her room, Um, because this was a small house and she was the only one there that I recall and she would shut the door and and the curtains, close the curtains and this was a single bed that was one of those old rickety it would just creak and make noises when you sat on it and there was not any chairs in the room so you had to sit on the bed Um, but in order to come into her room I had to be her husband so that was that story um and that happened the that the, that was the worst of it that i recall i don't know if i've suppressed more memories of that i just i know that that happened it's too vivid i i, I remember how the room smelled smelled just it smelled like her and her sneaking her cigarette smoke out the window her body odor Uh, moldy uh, old curtains and just just it was an old house and I remember that room had its special Maxine smell um she so that was the sexual part of it that just has been eating me alive until now Uh, it's over that part and I've let it go well I let that story go she would take me you know Places with her friends, which I have good memories of that, um, being at the bowling alley and hearing um, this, i remember this song in particular, play that funky music, White Boy, which, you know, I do. Um, <laughs> that part of that experience I love because that's the kind of music that I still enjoy to this day. Um, I'm a disco queen, if you will. Um, but she would take me into stores also and put things either in my clothing to to steal like cigarettes and just odd things and um, one of the odd things that she made me steal was icing it was the squeeze icing and i remember it because it was a certain color it was red and it would get all over me and then i, I as a child i tried to explain why i had you know because we'd get back home and i'd have have to explain why I have read all of my die from this icing on my hands and a mouth. And, and I think that she used that icing for other things, sexual, but I, I can't be sure of that. But so she, she would steal and put me in these situations that not healthy, obviously. So, um, I decided one day to confront her recently. This is 2019. This happened in the '70s, early '70s. Um, so on March sixteenth, twenty nineteen, um, I messaged her, and I gave her an opportunity to. I said, "You know, I, I said there's some things that I'm remembering, and I just want to see if you can shed some light on them. Give me your side of the story." Um, it was of time period when you were babysitting me and um yeah can you tell me anything about that and it took just a couple of minutes and she replied um was your brother there well of course i said no um because he was he was around 2 and i think he was with my dad he he was a little he was a baby um because we're th- three years apart but so I think he was with my dad at that point um so no I said you were around I said what age were you and she said around 14 so right then I knew that she knew she remembered so I dug a little deeper without being ac- ac- accusing her I wanted her side of the story I wanted to hear it from her that was part of what I wanted to know if she remembered it like I did or you know did something else happen to make me think of these these crazy things and so um i said you know i'm not looking for justice i'm just looking for closure and i want your side of the story something happened i've been having flashbacks and i want the truth and she said i can't think of anything basically and this was through Messenger, and and I have them written down. I don't have them handy, or I'd read it to you. So anyway, I'm, I'm I ask her that, and she says no. I said, well, let me be more specific. You you don't remember making me be your husband. Um, and she <laughs> didn't answer right away. She waited a day or so, and then she replied, nope. And that's a capital N, a capital O, a capital P, a capital E, exclamation point. So, that was her. That was her denial. So, the only thing I could do at that point was to erase her. And the only thing I can do about that without erasing her is I deleted her from any social media, any contact with me. And basically, I erased her from my life, my mind, I got it out, now it's on her, she can do, she can stew in this information, and maybe one day, she'll come to terms with telling me exactly what happened, you know, because I feel like I gave her a fair chance at telling me the truth, or just saying, you know, anything would have worked, like, you could, she could have said, well, you know, I was adolescent, or young, and I was trying to explore, and I, and you were the only one there, and I'm sorry. Not one sorry came out of her mouth. She is sorry. Um, she just, she just dis is disgusting to me. I, I can't even look at her. I don't want to hear her name after, after this. I'm getting it out. I should be healed enough to face her, but I don't think that part will ever go away, but I am healing. Um, and I do start mumbling and, and talking about other things when, when that comes up because st- I've not completely dealt with it, but enough to get it where I can. I did, I did, I hit her head on. I, I had to face her, which was hard. So anyway, maybe one day she'll come clean and hopefully she hasn't hurt anyone else. Um, I'm praying that it was an isolated incident with just me. Um... I'll give you just a little bit about her, just not that I care, but just so you know. She is, if you were to see her, she has always looked, since around 30, she started looking like she was 60. She smokes heavily. My recording about Maxine got cut off, and this is a new thing for me to do, um, to do this, this podcast thing. Um, so Maxine, I was describing Maxine, she is, she started looking really old, um, wrinkly and tired and just unhealthy, like her ugliness on the inside was starting to show on the outside. Um, she just, she looked, I don't know, she looked like... The best way for me to describe it is if you've ever seen the movie Shallow Hal, and everyone the nurse uh, i can't remember her name on the show, but the nurse who was so beautiful to a lot of people that couldn't see the real her um, she was really ugly on the inside, and so that's what shallow hal hal saw he saw the ugly that's how I see Maxine um just wrinkly and bitter and empty, like a, a bad person. That's how she looks to me. Um, but so I've described her. Um, she has a cerebral palsy child that was born. Um, Maxine was in her, I think thirties when she had her. Um, and you know, cerebral palsy children usually don't live that long or they, they have a difficult childhood, which she has. And I mean no harm by bringing her up because it's not the child's fault who her mother is. Um, But just so you can get a picture of Maxine. Um, So her child was born with cerebral palsy. Um, She has lived to be... I think she's over 21 now. And she's had to really... um, She's had to take care of her, uh, or she has taken care of her. You know, she's a picks her up and just wears herself out. I, could, I mean, I do feel bad for that, because I want everyone to be okay. That That's the kind of person I am, but... Um, and I do feel bad. I really do. I wish that that never happened to the child, but um, she can't walk. She, she doesn't really talk, and... Um, Maxine has to do full care for her and she's she still works and um, maybe she's cleared her head of all the stuff that I'm just now doing. I don't know but maybe she feels her punishment has been given to her for what she did to me by taking my childhood away in in a sense and so maybe she feels like she's being paid for that. I don't know but um, so she has a cerebral palsy child that takes a lot of her time, 24 hours a day, Um, and I think now she has help, but at the time, you know, when she was first born, um, she didn't, and the child suffered seizures, and like one of, you know, pretty severe case of cerebral palsy, Um, and at family functions, um, you know, people feel sorry for Maxine, and I never have. I never have, and I don't know how that was huh. that wasn't picked up on, but I guess maybe they just think I'm cold-hearted, but anyway, Maxine has had a rough life since she did what she did to me. I feel like she has, um, whether it's her own doing, it yeah. would have happened, regardless whatever the case may be, but so you've got a picture that she has a cerebral palsy child she's she's not. She, She's not successful in in some ways. I mean, I, I don't want to say she's not successful because I think if you can make it through life, you're successful. But she just, she looks, and I hate to say this, but she looks like a child molester. Um, a beaten up, ugly, just abuser. Abuser of something. If not children, alcohol, drugs, just life. Like she's abused. herself, and maybe that was her punishment to herself. I don't know. I'll never know. Don't care, but, um, so that's, I'm trying to describe her the best I can so you can get a vivid picture because, uh, that helps me, helps me when I'm listening, and I'm not a very good storyteller, so I'm trying to give you the best, uh, description. Anyway, so she's got a cerebral palsy child. She works at a a little small town store. She lives in a, a, a mobile home out in the middle of nowhere that has been built onto. So you can imagine, you know, that happens a lot in Alabama, which <laughs> that's a shame to say, but it does. Um, uh, I don't know what her car looks like, but she hasn't had the best of lives. Let me just say that. Um, and it seems like, you know, most of the people that she's around, it, they're okay with that. So, woo, good for them. Uh, it makes me want to, I don't want to be a part of it. I'm I'm not special. I don't need huge, elaborate homes. But I just feel like they, they gave up. So, maybe they did. But that's Maxine. That's the story on that. Um, she... Told my mom that that didn't happen, um, which I'm not so sure that my mom believed me or her. I'm not sure. It doesn't matter. I was there, I know. So, um, But Maxine has, is, is an ugly soul, um, and she always will be to me um, until she comes clean. So I don't ever see that happening. But Maxine, that story's over. And that's it.